0: And I would venture to say that the body of Christ is one of those units that together we can accomplish some amazing things. And the message of this morning is be the church that works together. I'm excited this morning. Uh, If you don't already know me, my name is Charles Gwynn. I'm the new associate minister here at Paradise Valley, and I'm excited for several different reasons. One is that 18 years ago on July 21st, my amazing father-in-law let a crazy 21-year-old punk kid Get married to his amazing, beautiful second oldest daughter, Autumn. And today is our anniversary, and so let's give Autumn a round of applause. <laughs> but it excites me to think about all that God has done in those 18 years of life that I, we've gotten to experience and the joys that have come along the way. And as We continue on into the future. I'm excited about being a part of what goes on here at Paradise Valley. On the 21st of July, beginning a preaching ministry that prayerfully will continue and grow into many more years to come. And I'm also excited this morning to be able to come alongside each and every one of you. To be a part of what you have already been doing as the body of Christ here at Paradise Valley. And be able to see continual growth. Not only as each individual person grows and is disciple, but that we reach out as a church body into the community. And so if you are here this morning for the very first time, thank you for being with us if you are not used to filling out a Connect card, I would like to encourage you to begin filling those out and maybe writing your name and maybe who you are, who your kids are, and who your spouse is, and so I can begin to get to know you better all the time. And that also helps us to stay connected with you as the definition of the Connect card. And so this morning, we as a church want to be the church that works together. And last week, Paul shared from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and we talked about all the things that we need to do as the body of Christ to be unified and work together and be one. In fact, from those verses... Verse 4 of chapter 4 of Ephesians says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so as we begin to think about this idea of all the things that we have in common, today as we look at verses 7 all the way through 16, I want us to begin to think about the idea of the individual things that we have, But then beyond that, what are we doing with those individual things to help the church grow? And so turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 7 and read all the way down through verse 16. So if you can follow along uh, on your devices or in your paper Bibles or on the screen, uh, we want to really, again, get in tune with what God has to share with us this morning. Verse 7, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. as each part does its work. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, once again, we are humbled to gather in your presence. We are filled with joy knowing that as the body of Christ, we have the ability to lean on one another, to build one one another up, to pray for one another, and all the while looking forward to the day when you come again. God, may you be glorified through this time as we meet before your throne room. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. As we think about this idea of working together, though, what makes it somewhat difficult at times to work together in the church? What do you think? Raise your hands and, uh, and I'll call on you or yell it out. And if you, nobody says anything, then I'll just say, like, Rick Keith, what do you think? What do you think? What makes it difficult at times to work together in the church? Different personalities. What else? Jen Steffenhagen, what do you think? Um, Preferences. Preferences. Okay, we're sticking with the P. Maybe I should write this down as a future (laughs) sermon. Personalities, preferences. Okay, yeah. Uh, And I think about the, the idea of there's different ways of doing things. And maybe we think our way is better. Or maybe working out schedules is difficult at times. Or sometimes it feels like it's easier to do it on our own. Or at times we might feel inferior to someone else's abilities. And in the passage from Ephesians 4, 7-16, we see Paul challenging the church that we are all in this together. We're, we're a team. We're in this together. There's no one that's more important than the other. We are the body, and together we're going to do some amazing things with God as our head. With Christ leading us, we need to take the abilities and gifts that God has blessed each and every one of us with and use them together in order to have an impact in this world for the kingdom of God. And so as we begin, if you're a note-taker, I'm not much of a note-taker, but I'm trying to do a better job at that. But if you're a note-taker, there's a little place in your phone to do that. We all have gifts and abilities. That's the first thing this morning. We all have gifts and abilities that we can use for the kingdom of God. It kind of reminds me of the idea of, like, Weapons being handed out. Like if we're going into war and the spiritual battle that's raging all around us, we need some weapons. We have abilities and gifts that God has given us in Christ through the Holy Spirit that we can begin to utilize For the kingdom of God. And a lot of times as we read different passages, we hear the word grace. And as we read in Ephesians 4, 7, we read that word again. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And oftentimes we associate that with salvation, which is very true and accurate. But grace is a lot more in different areas as well. As I was growing up, I was taught oftentimes that this idea of grace is something wonderful that we don't deserve. And maybe another accurate and common definition about grace describes it as unmerited favor of God toward man, which obviously describes salvation in our lives, being saved from our sins, unmerited, we don't deserve it. But here it's talking in reference to this idea of gift-giving. And in this passage, Paul, the apostle, quotes Psalm 68, verse 18, in verse 8 where it says this is why it says from Psalms when he ascended on high he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men and i think a lot of times we as christian like well i don't really think i have any gifts you know i i, I don't I don't speak well, and I don't uh, really think there's anything that's going on that I am really good at to the point that, you know, that's a gift given to me by God. And yet again, Scripture talks about the idea, if we're in Christ, if we surrender ourselves to Christ, if we are immersed into Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. And that Holy Spirit has the ability to give us direction and, and abilities and gifts. And here even in Romans chapter 12, verses six through eight. If you want to turn over there in Romans chapter 12, verses six through eight, uh, we think about all throughout Scripture, there's different spots that talk about gifts being given. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then also there in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter writes, Each one should use whatever gift he has, been, has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You see, we don't have the excuse that we don't have gifts because the reality is the scripture tells us that we do. We do have gifts. And in fact, if you have them in Romans, Paul says to the church there, use them. Don't set them on the shelf, but use them for the kingdom of God. And, for, and again, Peter, he says right there, verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. You see, we each have gifts, and and maybe here at Paradise Valley you've had a chance to take a a spiritual gift assessment test, or maybe you've done it online, or or maybe in the future we'll we'll give you an opportunity to do something like that. But even beyond a spiritual gift assessment test, you can simplify it down, because I'm pretty simple when it comes to life, that you can just take the things that you love to do, the things that God has given you interest in, and then use them, to further the kingdom of God. In my life I really enjoy sports, I enjoy basketball, and, and there was a time where I was trying to figure out how can I use basketball to reach out to the lost. To show God in my life. And so uh, we began a three-on-three basketball league that began with maybe five or so teams, mostly just church individuals. And it grew to 15 teams where it spread out to other churches. And so there was fellowship amongst other believers. But then there was also probably four or five teams that were completely made up of non-Christian individuals. And as we had opportunity to Pray before the night began, or to uh, spend time talking about if they go to church anywhere. Where the fact that they were in the building uh, of the church, it was great to have that ability to use what I enjoyed to help further the kingdom of God. And I think about Ashley Berlin and her love for babies, and the way that she took that love for babies and, and toddlers and is using that to try to show God's love in other parts of the world. And I I think about even hearing about a scrapbooking, you know, uh, weekend that took place in this area or this body, and I don't know exactly how it all went, but taking that love for scrapbooking and, and creating an opportunity to then invite someone that maybe is a non-Christian and, and invite them into that circle, and maybe it's just playing board games or or maybe it's working with your hands or fishing or or you love to spend time in prayer, all those different things that are abilities and gifts that God has poured out on you, you can utilize those to further the kingdom of God. And so none of us have an excuse. We once again need to realize the first thing is that we all have gifts and abilities that God has given us. And in order for them to be useful, then we're going to actually have to begin to use them. And, and that's why as we continue to read here, we read of how how Jesus has given certain individuals, and again, this is not an exhaustive list, so if if you don't feel like your gifts and abilities are in these areas, once again, no excuse, because it's not exhaustive. It says, verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Leadership gifts, great. If you have those gifts, use them, okay? Okay. And begin to hone them and begin to work at them in order that because part of your responsibility is to then in verse 12 to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And in this video that we showed at the beginning, as they began to row, one of the words that appeared on the screen is being prepared. Prepared. And and I think about if we are going to actually take our abilities and utilize them we have to get prepared we need to get prepared and so if you're writing notes that's the second thing I want you to get this morning is that we need to be prepared and not only just those who have the leadership gifts but each and every one of us using what we have preparing getting used to them and then utilizing them in areas of works of service he says and I think about when was the last time we did anything for the kingdom of God. Maybe in the area of just serving here on a Sunday morning as part of the body. Where could you get involved? Maybe it's in a, on a work day, and maybe you're really crafty, or you're a really hard worker with your hands, and so you need to get involved in a work day, or maybe teaching a class, or maybe helping with Vacation Bible School that will be coming up here shortly in August. We need as many people that are willing to join in, and it's a it's an evening VBS. And so all you gentlemen that might normally work, you have an opportunity to come in and be the spiritual leaders and be a, a witness to the younger kids that men are a part of the church, to come in and be helpful in those ways. And you don't have to necessarily be the teacher, but you can be the helper, be a part of a ministry team, or maybe when was the last time you helped a friend or a family member or a stranger out In the name of the Lord, when was the last time you invited someone over to your home and had them in your home? Uh, Just this past week, I got invited into home, and it was fun. It was exciting. It was joyful, being a part of the body of Christ. And so when was the last time you invited someone into your home and enjoyed that fellowship? Invited someone to a Sunday morning assembly of the church body? You see, there's so much that can take place when we begin to just imagine more. Begin to brainstorm and and think through where we can be involved and how we can have an impact. And a lot of times we want to just soak it all in. We come Sunday mornings or maybe we go to Bible study or we spend time in God's word each and every day, which is essential and important. But oftentimes we soak it all in like a sponge and then we just, okay, we're good to go. We just set it on the counter or underneath the sink and pretty soon that sponge that is saturated with water begins to what? Mold. It doesn't smell real great. It's not very useful and it gets thrown out. You see, we as the body of Christ need to get prepared in order for us to actually live out our faith in order that we may see God work mightily in us to the point where it continues on to say, That we all might, well, first of all, it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. You see, we need to be built up until we all Reach unity in the faith. Not just certain individuals. Not just the ones that have been coming the longest. Not just the ones that have had parents or grandparents. That were Christians long time. Every single one of us. Need to be built up in order that we all might reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to the point where we become mature and I, you know I struggle with that one that's why I've been in youth ministry for 16 plus years. Uh, you know I, I just I'm, I'm right along the level of a junior high student sometimes. It's hard to mature uh, at times and so becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, it takes work. It's not something that's just going to come easily. Easily, but we need to work at it and be the body, be the church that works together in order that, if you're taking notes, that we can stand firm on the front lines, that we can stand firm. You see, when we have these abilities and gifts God has given us, we begin to prepare and utilize those gifts, then that helps us to then be able to stand firm on the front lines of the battle. Ephesians 4 Does its work, and as I think about this idea of infants, you know, we have Clark and Crew up here, uh, just newborn infant babies, and as they grow and become toddlers, they'll go out into the park, and a lot of times you'll see babies or toddlers out there, and they're reaching and they're putting sand in their mouth, and they they're dumping sand on their head, and and as adults, we you know, no, don't do that, no, that's yucky, 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 you know, and we begin to teach. These babies, these infants, you know, that's that's not okay to be, you know, putting dirt in your mouth. And if we went to a park and we saw a 21-year-old adult male that's there and he's sitting on the ground and, and he's putting dirt in his mouth and rubbing it on his face, we would immediately know that, hey, something's not quite right here. They're, they have not gotten to the point of maturity, there, there's something that, you know, what, what's, what? can I help here? What's going on? We, we would know that there was something wrong. And the reality is true when it comes to Christianity. If we want to stay infants all of our lives, that's not okay. It says right here, Paul, to the Ephesians, then we will no longer be infants. We can't remain a baby all of our Christian lives. And the reason why is because If we're going to go into spiritual battle against the enemy, the enemy is well trained. He's got demons, Satan's got demons that are veterans when it comes to spiritual battle. And if we're going to go out and battle, and we go out as kindergartner class, if we go out as a kindergarten class that's expecting to win the spiritual battle, and yet we're still just very immature in our faith, we're going to lose big time. We have to grow up. We have to mature. We can't be tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching and the lies that the world is trying to feed us. And the waves that come and crash against us. And I think about going to the ocean and, and as a, a kid for the very first time, I had finished the 7th grade. We got My parents promised us to go to uh, Orlando, Disney World, and we went to the ocean. And man, I just remember especially the salt taste especially but the reason i was tasting so much salt is because the waves were like knocking my feet and i was going under and i was being bombarded by the waves back and forth and i couldn't stand up and i was you know i thought i was tough and strong and and yet these waves were constantly pounding and as we took our kids to different uh the, the different oceans, uh, we we experienced the same thing on those beaches where I was keeping a close eye on these kids and, and I thought about uh, how we started at one point and Autumn set up camp on the beach and then like 10 minutes later my kids were slowly down the beach way over here because the waves had slowly moved them along because they were constantly being bombarded and a lot of times what happens in Christianity is the same thing here where we're affected by the wind and we get slowly moved off of the true center of God's word and, and the waves begin to crash back and forth and we begin to move down the beach and God's word says to not allow that to happen there will be no lo- then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. We need to speak God's truth in love. And at Winter Whitewash, Uh, Terry Davis was the main speaker, and, and he shared an illustration about when he would ask his friend that was part of the government department that deals with counterfeit money, and he asked Terry asked his friend how they can constantly keep up with the different kinds of counterfeit money and how they're able to identify all that. And his answer was, we don't worry about all the different kinds of counterfeit money, but we focus on all the details of the genuine money. They focus on the truth, and then they know how to identify something that is counterfeit. We as Christians need to focus on the truth, God's word, the Bible, know it in and out, and know that when something is not lining up with God's word, then we can address that. And when we address that, when we share God's truth, we need to do that in love, and we all know people that don't, Oftentimes share truth and love, and we oftentimes call that they don't have much tact, you know. And maybe the truth is, is that I have something on my nose or in my nose nostril, and there's a way to let someone know that you're like, just hey, you got you got something right there, you know. That's tact. That's showing truth, sharing truth and love. But if we don't have that, then we might turn somebody off by the way we say it. We might offend someone in a way that closes a door we need to share god's truth and not waver from that truth stand firm on that truth but we need to do it in a way that shares god's love it's when we share the truth and love that we begin to grow up into the head of the body that is christ we each are joined together as the body of christ that is going to grow and be built up in love as we each do our part in the kingdom of god And this whole idea as I close is that that Paul is trying to get across to the church in Ephesus reminds me of a cartoon that I used to watch back in the 80s. And some of you may know this cartoon, some of you may not. But the idea with the cartoon is very similar to the present day Power Rangers concept if you've watched the Power Rangers at all. But here's a little clip of Voltron. Back in the 80s, man, that was one of my favorite cartoons. And the, the reason I loved it, the reason I loved it was because of how neat I, the whole concept was. All these individual, you know, cats, and, and they had different colors, and they had different abilities. But when they all came together, they formed Voltron, which was so much stronger and more powerful than anything else that they would ever come up against. And the reality as Christians is that each and every one of us have gifts and abilities That God has blessed you with. And when you come together as the body of Christ, we can do immeasurably more. As we ask God to do immeasurably more through us. And so this morning I want to encourage you and challenge you that you are an important vital part that's going to help the body grow. And as you look through all of Ephesians, that's a reoccurring theme. Something that is not new. It's constant. Paul continually brings that up, and I want to close with you thinking about where you can get involved and and share this last illustration with you. It's an article written by Jim Stovall with the idea in mind about working together as a church. More More than virtually any other animal, horses have impacted the way we humans have lived throughout most of recorded history. Time's up. <laughs> Many of us who have lived in the 20th and, twi- and now the 21st centuries have no direct connection to horses, but there is still much they can teach us. Recently, I was reading about draft horses, which are very large, muscular animals that throughout history have been used to, for pulling great loads and moving very heavy objects. A single draft horse can pull a load up to 8,000 pounds. The strength involved in this is hard to imagine, and so then we can speculate what would happen if we hooked up two draft horses to a load. If you instantly thought two draft horses could pull 16,000 pounds, if one draft horse could pull 8,000 pounds, you would be wrong. The two draft horses pulling together cannot pull twice as much as one, They can actually pull three times as much. The two draft horses that can each pull 8,000 pounds alone can pull 24,000 pounds working together. The horses are teaching us a very clear lesson in teamwork, but they still have much more to teach us. If the two horses that are pulling together have trained with one another, and have worked together before, they can't just pull three times as much working together as they can by themselves. The two trained horses in tandem can actually pull 32,000 pounds, which is a load four times as heavy as either of the horses could pull by themselves. The powerful lesson That these magnificent draft horses can teach us involves not only teamwork, but coordinated and trained collaboration. No one lives or works alone as the proverbial island unto themselves. And it is only when we work together that we can really see the body of Christ grow and mature. Let's pray. God, this morning, again, we count it a privilege. We are humbled to gather in your presence And so this morning, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be leading us as a congregation. God, we want to see you do amazing things through us. God, we want to do things that we can't even begin to imagine right now because you are the one leading us in those areas. And so, God, we are excited to be a part of your family. We are excited to be a part of the, the community here in Casper. And so, Father, we pray for Paradise Valley. We pray for the surrounding areas of Casper, that this body would grow, that we would mature, and that together our abilities would be brought together in a way that we could see you do awesome, amazing things, God. So God, we are here humbly gathered before your throne, desiring for you to lead us, direct us. Father, may you be glorified in everything that goes on as the body of Christ meets here at Paradise Valley, may we not only just come together, but may we go out into the world using those abilities, those gifts that you've given us in areas of works of service in order that we can grow and mature and stand firm, not being infants, not being affected by the waves or the winds of this culture, but that we would stand on the truth and share that truth and love that the world would know you as their Lord and Savior. And we pray all this in the name of the power of your Son, Jesus. Amen.